0: See, I'm learning this, that when the truth gets spoken, thanks guys, what happens is it engages the mind. And the mind hears a reality that is declared and then the mind engages and then all of a sudden it starts to reveal the heart of man. Because you hear something that you go yes and amen to, or you may hear something go, what? I don't understand that. Or you hear something go, no way. I don't even believe that. What happens is when the truth goes forth and the mind starts to engage, the heart gets revealed. You could say the heart gets exposed and out of the heart, a man will speak or a woman will speak. So you actually speak from here, not here. And that's why Jesus said it's so important that we guard our hearts because the heart is the wellspring of life. Understanding starts in the heart, Jesus said, in the spirit realm. So I've given you ears to hear a word that's a spiritual word, not a physical word, even though it's communicated through the language of English today. It's not English words that you need to hear. It's the word of God that you need to hear and receive through the power of the Holy Spirit, which is an eternal word, which will build you on the inside. Hence, Christ in us is the hope of glory. So the formation of Jesus Christ in his people is the hope to which the world would see the glory of God. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7 that Paul says that we are earthen vessels who have this glory poured into her. We have the presence of God poured into us that we may shine and radiate his glory to the earth. That's what he wants to do in every person that says, I'm a believer, I'm a follower. Amen. The challenge is for us to believe. Everything will be won or lost on belief. That's why Jesus said the very first work is to believe in me. He didn't say it's signs and wonders. He didn't say, feed the poor. He said, the very first work is to believe in me. Everything in me that I'm going to say to you. How many people know the disciples had a hard time believing? How many people have a hard time believing? There was a man that said, Lord Jesus, help me in my unbelief. See, he was honest, he was real. He got real with it. You know, until we get real with stuff, we're never going to come into life. Until you prepare to be honest and look in the mirror and go, you know what? Got me. I got got 97. It's the best thing that ever happened to me. Got me. Playing around, trying to look. Got me. Bang. Oh, yep. Okay. Own up. Yeah, it was me. Who put the hand in the cookie jar? Yeah, me. It was me, Lord. You got me. Great. Now I've been trying to get you for a while, and now I hooked you. So come on, let's let's discuss some stuff because there's things for you, son. There's a life that's so full for you when nothing can touch you. Nothing. Do you know that's what the word says? Nothing can separate me from my father. Nothing. No person, no peril, no offense, no demon. For I'm more than a conqueror. More than a conqueror. Why? Through my own strength? No, because Christ is being formed in me and I've got a hope of glory. So I've got a hope in me that trumps this earth. My hope is in the eternal, it's not in the temporal. I hope you've got a hope or a hope is forming in you that trumps the temporal. I hope you can see things in the eternal because we're speaking of things that are in the eternal and bringing it into the real. See, we're speaking of things that have been already established and manifested in the eternal realm called the spiritual kingdom. And we're declaring them here, bringing them. So what is already established here is manifested here. But you have to source it from here if you want it here. You can't find it in the temple because it doesn't come from the temple. It comes from the eternal, which is an invisible realm, but seen and known to those of the Spirit. And Jesus said, I want to fill you to a full measure with my Spirit. God said through Paul, he said, I want to perfect you into the fullness of God, love. Do you know that's even in here? See, if you don't know what's in here, how are you going to believe it? If you have no concept of the instruction of the scriptures, how on earth are you going to believe? You'll believe what someone tells you. Or you'll believe what a little enemy whispers. Or you'll believe you. And you'll come up with your version of truth. But your version and my version of truth is it's not going to do anything apart from puff us up but it's not going to bring life. So if we don't know the word, the eternal word, which we've been talking about forever, how on earth are we ever going to demonstrate the life we've been called for? But Greg, you don't understand my life. I don't have time. I've got all these priorities and other things that beckon my attention. I know, so do I. They're called self Other people, other passions, other desires, they scream, don't they? Do you have them too? And so there are these voices that demand much. They scream loudly in your ears. Me, pick me, pick me, pick me, pick me. God's going, pick me. I've got to work, and I want to perfect it in you. So how are we going with this work? Question for us. Have we and are we receiving the true gospel that produces the life of the gospel in us? Have we? And are we receiving the true gospel that comes through the articulation and just directly from the Spirit of God that produces the life of the gospel within us? When was the last time you could give testimony to a genuine work of the Word in your life? When was the last time you could say to someone, this is exactly what he's doing in me. Guys, that is to be a continuous process of testimony after testimony after testimony. If we overcome the enemy through the blood and the power of our, then do we have one? Do we have a multitude of them? Because what we're about to look at is a scripture that talks about a perfecting work in us through the partaking of the gospel partaking and perfecting us into love. Who is love? God is love. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is love. So if love is being perfected within us, do you think you've got a testimony? Let me tell you about a love that set me free. Let me tell you about a love that's filled me with hope. Let me tell you about a love that's filled me with love, but not my human love because I was full of that. I mean a kingdom love. Let me tell you about the capacity to love another human as God loves them. That's good news, isn't it? Let me tell you about the mercy of God, the grace of God, the patience of God while I was in my stuff. And struggling still with it. His love propels you out of it. It says, son, there's so much more than this. While you partake of this, I still love you, but it's keeping you bound in what I have for you. And it's a love that never condemns. It convicts, but it edifies, it exhorts, and it lifts up. The apostle Paul said this, through a revelation of Jesus Christ, I got the gospel it wasn't someone came along and preached the words to me and I understand Jesus. He said, I got a revelation of Jesus Christ and I got the gospel. That's a little bit back to front, isn't it? Or is it? When I look at the man's life, I think he got it the right way round. I think we may have some things a little bit back to front because the true work of the gospel produces the true life of the gospel. And the true life of the gospel is to be in us because Jesus said, I am the way. I am the life. And let me finish it for you. I am the truth. So I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So if you're in me, the person, how did Paul get his revelation? He got a revelation of Jesus which brought the gospel to light. Not the words of what Jesus did, the work of what Jesus did. They're very different, but they sound the same. They both begin with W. So through hearing the word, have you received the work that builds you and perfects you? Come to Philippians 1, verses 3. If you're here with us for the first time, we've been talking about receiving the eternal word because we're sons. And I asked people over the last two or three weeks, are you kingdom sons and daughters? Everyone said yes, didn't we? Which means that we have to get food that's kingdom food. So as part of a family, we speak in an alignment to who we are. Sometimes we may not understand that. And that's okay. But we have to believe to understand, not understand to believe. Some things that you don't understand, don't write off as, well, that can't be true because I don't understand it. Go, hmm, that's interesting. I'm not saying just believe it because you've heard it. But then take it to him and say, Holy Spirit, reveal this to me and in me. So here's this. Word in Philippians 1 verse 3. I love this guy, Paul. His heart is the size of New Zealand for the church. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all. (laughs) Prayer with joy. Not for himself, for the Philippians. Listen to this. In view of your participation. In the gospel from the first day until now. So, the day we received the work of the gospel, what Jesus did, that sort of catapulted us into an ongoing process of transformation. So, he's saying, From the day you've received it until now, he's about to say, I'm seeing this perfecting work happen. I can see it. I can hear it. I know who you were here. I now look at you and go, you're different. Wasn't that a word we got about in 2012? From Cindy Ruakiri. The people that you were are not who you are today. And the people you are today are not the people you're becoming. Did you hear that word? It was from heaven. So the... essence we can track who we were in 2012 to who I am now in 2019 and give testimony of the perfecting work. I didn't know this here, I now know this here. I didn't have his mind on this, I now have his mind on that. Tracking with me? Because the entire purpose is maturity, isn't it? Transformation is the purpose of God. Sanctification, creating us into Christ-likeness in reality, not in theory, in reality. So he's saying this, I see your participation. You've partaken, partook of the gospel from the first day until now. It's a whole journey. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you, Will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. So, I've got a series of questions that I want to ask us. The first question is What does it mean to partake in the gospel? What does it mean to be a participant? If you partake in something, I partook in a meal, I've played sport, I was a participant, I wasn't a spectator, I played the game. And the Bible talks about running a race. That's I'm partaking. I'm a participant in a race. God says there's my will to be done. So I'm not watching it go by. I'm in it. And it's proving itself in my life because I'm a partaker from the day I received the gospel and the work of the gospel. It set me free of myself and has me running in a different way. So I'm partaking of this new life now. And the resource of this new life, I'm eating, I'm drinking, I'm changing, my mind is being renewed. I'm able to do things that I couldn't do before because I'm partaking of the gospel. So what does it mean? Have you ever asked yourself that? I would encourage you to. What is this perfecting work? What is it? I don't know. We need to know. Because it's for the church. So what is it? What is He's perfecting us into what? The image of himself. What for? Because he wants to marry us, doesn't he? Doesn't he want to see a spotless bride? Doesn't he want to see a blameless one? Doesn't he want to see himself when he returns? Will I find faith when I return? Doesn't he want to see a people that are faithful and obedient, doing his will, no longer living for themselves because they got set free of self when they partook of the gospel? And now I walk in completely different to the way they used to walk. The priorities and their choices, their resource, what they do is so far. I don't even recognize myself. Do you? I look back. Who is that guy? It's like a brother, a close relative. And I've shared this with you before. I got married at 24. I don't even recognize that guy. Because that marriage lasted three and a half years as a non-Christian. I go. And we shared this with the girls recently because we felt the timing was right. And I said, girls, I don't even recognize who that person was. It's like it never happened. That's how much perfecting work he's done in my heart. He's healed it and brought a beautiful woman and children. And I thought that would never happen. I don't even recognize that guy. Why? Because I'm partaking of Jesus Christ. Not churchianity, not religion, not tradition, not through song, him, my food source, the source of my very life, and that's the testimony I can bring, and it's continuous and it's amazing. So there's these other questions: Where does this perfecting work take place? In someone else? And the person beside you and your wife or your child, no, it's in us. He says it's to happen in us. How does this perfecting work happen? Can you do it? No. But you can surrender for it to be done in you, can't you? You can ask, seek, and knock. And you say, Father, here I am. I know I can't do the work, but I can be built by you. Who's the one that's going to do it? He is. What a promise. And Paul is saying, guys, I'm so confident of you, Philippians, because I see the work being done. I am confident, he's saying, that God who started it will finish it. Why? Because I see you are in his way. You are in his truth. You are in his Life. What's he saying? You are in the sun, Not a process. You're in the sun, and the sun is in you. Wow. Next question. How confident are we of this perfecting work being done in us? Are we confident that it's happening? Is there a tangible reality to it happening? It's to be tangible, isn't it? Jesus came from the invisible realm. And he came through the natural process, but he arrived on earth, didn't he? People could touch him, hear from him. He was tangible. You could hug him. He ate. He wasn't just this angel, the spirit person. He was a real person like you and I. He was tempted like you and I. He was a man like you and I are man, meaning man and woman. He was the real thing. Do you know God wants us in the real thing? His son, he's been smashing the institutional model in our hearts and our minds and bringing us into a true reality of who he is in us. So everything we do comes from the Christ in me. Every song I sing, every thought I have, the goal is to have it from the inner realm, inside the inner truth coming out of the vessel that's then being filled continuously with glory. Show me your glory. It's in me. Let me show you it through my life. Let me show you through overcoming life, but not through my own strength and my capacity, through the glory that's in me. Why, Greg? Because you're partaking of the food source that produces the glory. What can we demonstrate if this perfecting work is happening in us through the receiving of the gospel. What can we actually demonstrate like Jesus demonstrated tangible stuff? What are we now capable of doing? We walk in an alignment to God no matter what is thrown at us. Now, this may not be where we're at today, and that's cool. That is okay. You need to hear that. This may be like, oh man, I'm so far from what you're talking about. I can't even remember the last time I sensed him doing something to me. That's fine. But to stay here, I believe the Holy Spirit would say that's not okay. Why? You can. If you choose to, you can. He's not upset with you, He won't love you less. but you will be robbing yourself of something. you will be robbing yourself of life. That's what we do, don't we? He's not a killjoy. He loves us. And when we walk out of alignment to him, we rob ourselves. We hurt ourselves. That's why he had to come, because he sees our pain. He sees our turmoil. He sees us in confusion. He sees us grappling with things wrestling with what we hear, trying to figure it all out in us. And he goes, man, I've got to come and tap these guys on the shoulder and say, hey, I'm here. So it's fine to be where we're at today with no condemnation in Christ because there is no condemnation in Christ. But as our loving Father and as a brother who loves you, I'm urging you today to want to press in and lean in to what you were called for. That's my heart, is to see us become the very people that he's called us to become. To experience what I read about. You see, I said this last night at our Connect dinner, I'm just a simple guy that believes what I read. I just go, well, that must be possible because you've said it's possible, and I know you, and I believe you. So I'm going after that. I don't understand half of it. So renew my mind so I can understand it. He says, cool, son, let's go. The knowledge I have today, the revealed knowledge that I didn't have 10 years ago, is profound. And it didn't come from me doing my own study. It came from looking at what I was looking at, all the hard stuff. Do you like the hard stuff? (laughs) That's where all the life is in the hard stuff. It's great that he loves me, but when he says, hey, deny self. Man, there must be something behind that. If he's encouraged me to deny myself, there must be something really powerful for me to grab hold of that's sitting behind that truth. See, I want to entertain the hard scriptures. I know there's life behind the hard scriptures that my flesh freaks out about. Ooh, what's that going to look like? Yeah, get into it. My spirit's going, jump into it, son. My flesh is going, ah! Anyone else? Don't skip over them. Don't rip them out. Don't highlight them out. Highlight them in. Don't use black and go, eh, eh, eh. Get pink and go, eh, eh, eh. I've got no concept, no way of getting into that. He goes, yeah, I know, but you have not me. The hard scriptures are the best scriptures. Why? Because that's where a lot of the life is. So he gives you a ticket for free. He says, but there's a prize on offer. And with the prize, you've got to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's a partnership. you got the gift for nothing called my love. But if you want the prize, and I want, to, I want to give you the prize, I want to mature you into the fullness measure of my son, then we have to work together. And it's the whole scriptures, the whole entire way that you must receive, not just the bits you like. If you want the fullness, you can take the bits you like, son, But son, you won't receive the full measure. Amen? I love him. He gives us a choice. He doesn't try and manipulate us. He doesn't coerce us. He doesn't force us. He says, you have a choice. I've given you a choice. Tell the people they have a choice. But know with the choices, there are consequences. So listen to this. This is in 1 John 4. Verse 16, this is profoundly mysterious and beautiful all at the same time. 1 John four sixteen, we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. Do you know that is just not knowing about, that is, we've used this word a lot, it's gnosko, It's it's the Greek word for intimate. So I really have really, really, really come to know you and your love. I've received it through partaking of the gospel, the word of God, the entire word of God. And because of it, we have come to know with all assurance and affirmation and confidence and have believed, I'm fully convinced because I've received your love. See, I receive it and I become fully convinced of it. You can't become something fully convinced of you haven't received. So he says, we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Now listen to this. By this, by what? The abiding two-way, not one way, two-way. By this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment Because as he is, so also are we in this world. What? You having a laugh, geezer? No, mate, I'm telling you the truth. Do you believe the truth? These are three verses. By this, by what? By this perfecting love. You can have a confidence in the day of judgment. What's that? The judgment seat of Christ, which is for reward. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, Yeah, man. Why? Because hand on heart, not out of arrogance, I know I'm in something. And I know I'm living to a measure of God, and he's proud of me. And I'm seeing things in my life, and I'm experiencing reality, and I know I'm doing the will of God. So I'm confident, not doing it perfectly. I'm not perfect, but I know I'm in the game. And I know he's pleased, and I know together he's doing stuff in me and through me to see his kingdom established. So I'm confident. I can't wait. I'd go now. Would you? I want to get out of here. But no, only if he calls me, because why? There's more to do now, What to see? To see an entire church come into a confidence and a love and a reality that I died and raised up for them to know. Why? So as I was, they can be. You see, Jesus was fully man, fully God, but he did everything as a man, which means you and I can be like Christ. It says it right there, doesn't it? Because as he is, so also we are in this world. Are you in this world? Not in eternity, not in heaven. Now. What? Yeah, now. No, 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 it'll be there. No, it's now. Stop justifying it away so you don't need to change. Stop creating your own truth so you don't have to look at it. See, they never entered into rest because of unbelief, because what they heard, they didn't believe. And so they never lived from rest. Then he says this, in verse 18, he doesn't stop. He's the God of good news. There is no fear in love. Woo! But perfect love casts out fear. Who's love? God. So God casts out fear because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. Now, that's not to make anyone feel sting, But what it's to do is to see and show you a reality that's possible. There's something greater than your reality today if you fear life, if you fear this world, if you fear the unknown. He's saying, guys, you don't need to. Why? Because in me, if you abide in me and I in you, love will be perfected within you, which means love will determine everything else. So you'll have someone greater in you. His name is Jesus Christ, of Nazareth, who's being formed, love. So when everything gets thrown at you, what's in you is greater than what's thrown at you. So although you are crushed, you are not perplexed. Although you are persecuted, you are not destroyed. Don't get me started. I'll take off. See, how do we come into this if we're not in this? I don't have time. You have to make time. And I say that in love, from urgency. As he is also we are. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves punishment. There's no condemnation in Christ. Amen? Amen? Now, there is conviction, but it's the purpose for change. But there is no condemnation. Don't let anyone and any voice condemn you. You can be so far from him and there's no condemnation. You can be entangled in sin if you're a son and there is no condemnation. Zero. Don't let yourself take you there. Get free of you through abiding in him. Come on me to Luke 4. I just want to take us through this because I talked about walking in an alignment to God no matter what is thrown at us. I encourage you to go away and really meditate on the words that Jesus says. Well, that Luke's writing, but it's Jesus' reality. And it's Luke 4, 1 to 14. I'm just going to go through it line by line. It's the temptation of Jesus. Anyone being tempted here once in your life? <laughs> Twice? Take us for 20 times. <laughs> life is one big temptation, isn't it? So the temptation of Jesus do you know this is how you know Jesus was man on earth? People say, oh, no, 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 I can't do that because that's Jesus. Don't use that as an excuse because it's a lie. Okay? And we need to bind that lie because it's from the kingdom of darkness and it's preventing you coming into something. So the Bible says God cannot be tempted, does it not? In James 1.13. So was Jesus tempted? But God cannot be tempted. So if God cannot be tempted, how was Jesus tempted if He was fully God, He was operating from God on Earth? So He was fully God and fully man, but because He was tempted, but He did not sin, He's like us. So you can't use that excuse anymore if you've been using it, because He is fully man, fully God, but did everything, and what you're about to read, did everything as you and I did it. But He was full of something. And it wasn't self. okay. And this is what entangles us because if we haven't received this reality, we're still full of ourselves. And because we're full of self, which is poisonous to us because that's what separated us from God, it still lives and it still breathes and it still speaks. And it comes up with its own version of truth, which will keep you out of his version of himself. Is that clear? Okay. So Luke 4 verse 1. Jesus... Full of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) That's right, Mike. Stop. Full. Do you believe that you're to be full? Great. Because you're a man-woman like him. Remember? He did everything as a man. So he needed to be filled with the same spirit that you and I need to be filled with. And it says full. Now ultimately it was full and flowing over. There's a reality, isn't it? Full and flowing over. Why? So you can flow onto others. So you can be a resource that continues to give. From the innermost being shall flow rivers of living water out of the vessel of glory. Not so you can just have it for you, Simnor, but it would then fill you up and flow over onto others. And it's just this continuous process of being full all the time. What would it look like to live from truth rather than towards it? Have you ever thought of that? What would it look like to live from truth in you rather than trying to grapple? If I just memorize the scriptures, that'll be it. Has your knowledge come from memorization or revelation? Uh, John 4.16 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Who comes to me, the Father. John 14.6 says, I am the way, the truth, and life. Comes me, the life. If I just do this enough times, if I do this enough times, if I say it enough times, it'll happen, it'll happen, it'll happen, it'll happen. If I believe, 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 still hasn't happened. But what if the Holy Spirit, the one of the Spirit, Jesus, who you're speaking about, came and actually did a work within you? And you ate of something that went into you and through you and formed itself in you. Do you think now you can live, John, I'm the way, the truth, and life out? So while you're grappling for everything here because you're trying to live toward a reality, he says it's already happened. The problem is you're outside of something that needs to be in you. And you keep praying for something that's already happened. See, the church keeps praying for the Holy Spirit to come and he's going, man, I turned up 2,000 years ago. That was a long time ago and I've been ministering on the earth for 2,000 years. While well, you're still praying as if I'm not here. Why? Because maybe you haven't experienced what you're praying for. But it's now. So change the way you think. Get a brand new thought concept on that through my power because today you're hearing of another reality that says it happened 2,000 years ago. Stop asking and start asking for it to happen and say, Father, put it in me. Position yourself through humility and fast, 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 fast as he leads you. How desperate are you for what he wants to give you? See, we're not desperate enough, guys. We live in a first world country where everything's fine. And man, if the Wi-Fi goes down, look out. All hell breaks loose. It's called a first world problem. And yet other people that don't have what we have and live in the luxury that we have are desperate. Why? Because they don't have what we have. But at the same time, you can take those people out of Wearthon, plonk them into New Zealand, and very soon, if there's not a genuine work in a person, they'll become like these people. Because all it is is you change the environment, not the heart. So he came full of a reality. It's called the Spirit of God. And he lived from truth, not towards truth. He saw things and spoke. It's written. It's written. It's written. Isn't that how he flowed? Didn't he say, hey, you're going to deny me? How did he know that? Because he lived from truth. He said, here's the next one. You're going to deny me, but also you're gonna, I'm going to build my church upon you. Here's the both are good news. He was always foretelling what was going to happen. You can know the future right now. Do you believe? I hope so. That's why men and women gave their life to maintain the Scriptures that talk about what already is. The problem is, if we're not in the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, hearing the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, we won't have a clue. So we'll be the opposite of what is. And then we'll live that life. And he loves us, but he's like, you're going the wrong way, Simnor. You need to turn and walk back. And it's called repentance, which is a lifestyle. And I'm not talking about from sin. I'm talking about from a lack of ability to see. Faith. The Bible says everything that's not done from faith is a sin. Well, there's a higher standard, isn't it? I thought sin was just doing ABC. No, if I'm not living by faith in Christ, the Bible says it's a sin. It doesn't mean I'm a bad person. It means I'm missing the mark, the standard to which he's called me to live. I'm missing his way. I'm in my way because he's calling me into a greater way. It's called Christ. So we need to be full of the Spirit baptised in the fire and the power of the Spirit, and it is tangible. Do you think the early church knew they'd been baptised in the fire and the power of the Holy Spirit? Do you think they left that room different? Can we agree on that? So just because we may not have doesn't mean it's not tangible, correct? There may be something we need to go after in Christ. So we get to experience the reality God speaks about when he says, I'm giving you a promise. I'm going to clothe you on power from on high. And then you're going to think differently, act differently. You won't be perfect, but you'll have someone in you called my Holy Spirit who the power is contained in that now you don't have to think about laying your life down. You just will. That's been my experience from 1997, not brought up in an environment called the church, not part of a family, had an encounter in my workplace through answering a phone call of all things and got filled with the Holy Spirit, full. And I had an absolute desire to come here. It wasn't a cognitive thought. It was like, where else would you go? I'm in love. And I've been living that out for 20 years, coming into more and being perfected. By Him, but by His way, which is the Son. Not a process. His Son, Christ in us. Every hidden treasure and wisdom is in the Son. So full of the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness. The wilderness could be like the world. And we're led by the Spirit in the world. The world is a continuous wilderness compared to the kingdom of God, is it not? It's another realm. So we live on the world, but we're not to be of this world. We're not to partake of the world. We're to partake of the kingdom we're from. And so the Holy Spirit, who's also... Part of that world that the Bible says is our counselor, our guide, our comforter, our teacher, our leader, our father, while we're here, because if I don't send him, you're all in trouble. So I need to go so I can send the one to you to help you live this life here, but not of this earth, of the earth you're really from. And you're to be full of the Spirit because you're going to impact this world because it's going down very quickly. Have you noticed? A boy is no longer a boy and a girl is no longer a girl. Really? Yeah, and that's called wisdom. See, if we're asleep, it's going to take you like a thief. Do you realize what is subtly permeating New Zealand? And we are going to have to stand for truth. And what is in here is coming. It's coming, and it's coming very, very quickly. And you are going to be asked, do you really believe? And you're going to be challenged to stand in love, not in self-righteousness, in love, and go, I believe something entirely different from what everyone else is saying, and I'm in love, so take your best shot. Guys, let us not be asleep like in the days of Noah. Marrying, having fun. I never thought I would be in a time where a man could marry a man. And it's called wisdom. What's your problem? And I love all people. But I'm not looking for the favor of man. And there's a test right here. For Jesus, and he's in the wilderness, but he's full of the Holy Spirit, being led by the Spirit for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. See, there's that temptation again. He was being tempted. So once again, he's fully manned by an adversary. Do you know the adversary has no authority? Zero. So why do we give him so much credit? Do you know Why? Do you know, one of the reasons why? It's because it comes back to not having to change. If it was him, then it's okay. So then I can justify it and make it about him. But when he has no authority, and yes, he can come and he's the father of what? Lies. He's very good at playing cards. He shifts things on you, he shifts the cards because he's the father of deception. But when you know who you are, because you're full of the Holy Spirit, you recognize. and go, well, that's a whole lot of rubbish. So there is no war. There is no battle because Christ won the battle, and I just walk out the victory. Can you hear what I'm saying? So only those that don't know who they are is why he challenged his identity, are caught up in things without having the authority to live out an overcoming life. If you know who you are, if you are the son of God, he said, did he not? Let me try to give you another conclusion to who I know you really are, but I've got to throw you a curveball. See, God gives you a conclusion. He says you are a son. You are a daughter. Let me give you my conclusion for you. Have you received the conclusion or are you still in doubt? If you're still in doubt, he's going to come along and go, I know that Simon told you you were a son, but guess what? I got another conclusion. Are you really? Isn't that what he did in the garden? Did God really say doubt? And if you let that doubt get in you, the Bible says the man that doubts receives nothing. He's the master at throwing you curveballs. Your own flesh will throw you curve balls. But if you're full, then you hear the truth. You hear the lie. And so you just make the appropriate decision because you know the truth. If I tried to convince you one and one was equals three, what would you all say? You would laugh, but what if I tried really hard? And what if I actually won some of you over? Because I was so persuasive with my persuasive words and my language, and I was confident, and I lorded it over you. And I said, here you go. No, one and one doesn't equal two. I know that's what they've told you. I know that they told you a whole life, but it's a lie. Let me give you another conclusion. It's 2.1. And what happens if you believe that? And you then go tell everyone else that 1 plus 1 equals 2.1. All of a sudden, a whole lot of people now are being led off, aren't they? But it's close. It's 2.1. It's not too far away from 2. But it's still a lie. And it's not going to set you free because it's 2 that sets you free because it's the truth, the narrow, the singular person that sets the church free. And Jesus is full of the Spirit, so the enemy comes. He's eaten nothing. Woo, you ready for this one? 40 days being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days. And when they had ended, he became hungry. Living mana trumps physical mana. Shall I say that again? Living mana, when you're full of God, trumps physical mana. He's only hungry when he comes out. I would have stayed in. (laughs) Do you know you can stay in the whole time? It says man cannot live on bread alone. We know that. And I'm not saying go on a starvation of physical food. Please hear what I'm saying. Eternal word does things in you that trumps the natural. The eternal word in you enables you to live beyond the natural life. In John 6, it has really, no, that's not true. In John 6, the primary purpose of the feeding of the 5,000 was not the miracle. He says, do you believe I'm the source of your life and will you partake of me? Will you come to me and find food and rest for you? Shelter, provision. You see, we focus on the miracle. That was secondary. The primary was, do you believe I am the food of life? Why do you work for eternal, sorry, perishable food? See? So then he's calling, saying, being full of the Spirit, eating the Spirit and the Word, abiding in God. Didn't we look at 1 John 4? What happens? There is no fear because you're perfected in love. How does that happen? Through abiding in God and God abiding in you. So, when you find that position through the Holy Spirit, you are continuously abiding, producing much fruit, much love. So, your love is perfected. Joy, peace, kindness. You are full. You're not surviving, you're thriving. Because of the food source that you're partaking of. So you're 40 days in the wilderness going, sweet ass, 40-day fast, let's go, because I'm partaking of another reality. He then comes along. Remember, he is crafty, isn't he? When the days had ended, he became hungry, and the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell the stone to become bread. It's funny how he always comes in Jesus' perceived weakness, which means he will strike you when you're weak if you're weak. But he wasn't weak because he was full of the Spirit. You see, he comes and he goes, ah, you're hungry. So he tests him on the identity test, doesn't he? If you are the Son of God, do you think he knows he's the Son of God? Yes. So how is he going to get him on the second time? He then tries to get him to trump the will of God by saying, turn the stones to bread because you're hungry. Meet your natural need. Go on. No, you can do it because you're the son of God. Go on. Do it. What does Jesus say? Man cannot live on bread alone, but every word. I'm not doing opposite to my father's will. If he can't get you on identity, he's going to get you on the will. He is way more crafty than us. Can you hear what I'm saying? This is really serious. Like, we need to get this, okay? How do you hear, Lord, Lord, I did prophecy, miracles, signs, wonders, that, 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 in your name, and he goes, I don't know who you are. How does that happen? Because the enemy comes, plays on your flesh, makes it all about you because you've got a gifting and a calling and a desire to see the supernatural, and you chase it, and all of a sudden... What may have been of good of God initially has got distorted, and now it's all about the signs and wonders, and you've left your first love. You're no longer abiding, so you don't have the eternal fruit in you, but also that you're off on that side of the world doing stuff. He's on this side of the world going, what are you doing? And if you stay on that and don't repent and come back to me, then you're going to hear those very words, even though you operate in signs and wonders. That is not the evidence you're in Christ. Fruit is. It's a work of God, but if you're going to base your life on that and say, see, that's how much God's in me, Eh, wrong. Can you love? And are you loving? Isn't that the first command? So if that's the first command, then let's get back to the first command. Let's be perfected in love because we're full of the Holy Spirit so we can actually walk in an alignment to God. So when the enemy comes and tries to do a hoodwink on us, we hear the lie, we say no. And we don't spend too long with that lie like Jesus because he knew the truth, because he's full. See, just because you can doesn't mean you do. See, we are to go because we're sent, not because we see. Too many Christians go because they see a need, not because God sends them to the need. Good intention doesn't cut it, guys. Now, there is grace, and there is love, and there is forgiveness, but you can operate in those things and still be doing your will. Because you have a gift and a calling, you can see it happen in front of you because the gifts are irrevocable. That's what the Bible says, and they're not with repentance. They get given in an immature state. That's why God must define all things, because a gift that's given to an immature person can blow the person up, can discredit the ministry and affect the people it's being used for. Let's torch these dudes. Scripture: Who was that? James and John, only the top three dudes, not even in the twelve, the so-called top three that what argued over who was going to have the place next to him. Not full of the Holy Spirit, full of their own spirits called self, and that with power is scary in a mature hand. Fascinating, eh? So the enemy knows he plays on us. Hence, we better be full because he's going to play on your weaknesses. But all he's got is suggestion. So he suggests things. If you are the son of God. And you need to know the conclusion. I am. How many times does he suggest things to Jesus? Three. And the devil said to him, I will give you. Where's the other one I wrote down here? And said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. Jesus says, It is written. The enemy gives another suggestion. One's a conclusion, one's a suggestion. Then the enemy does this. Hey, Jesus, it's written. Now he turns it up. Okay, couldn't get you on that. Now we're going to see how much you really know the word. Hey, it's written. Let me take you to Psalms. Do you know the word that well because you're full of the Spirit that when he uses the word against you, you can hear the lie? Because he's going to do it. If we're engaging in the Spirit, can I be honest? Christians that aren't really engaging in the Spirit don't really threaten the kingdom of darkness. So what we blame him for most of the time, I think, is our poor decision-making. There will be the odd time now and again, but if we're effective, he comes and he challenges. If we're really ineffective, then aren't we keeping ourselves in an ineffective state? So why does he bother? Because he's not everywhere like God. Makes common sense, doesn't it? Why would he waste time and energy with someone that's really not impacting the kingdom of darkness? Because why? Because they don't really know who they are. They don't know who God really is. And they don't know the will of God because they're living for their own lives. So he says, you're very comfortable over there. It's when we start to awaken from that state, because we hear a word that grabs us like, "What? I can love like God as he was, I'm called to be. What are you talking about, man? And so I start getting awakened out of a state. He goes, oh, 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 hold on a minute. Something's happening on earth. Something's happened at the rock. Some people are starting to hear something. I need to activate something. Because all he's got is deception. All he's got is the sleight of hand. He comes and he gives you suggestions. But they're powerful if you don't know God's conclusions. Hence, he writes it down. It's written. It's written it's written, do you believe? <clears throat> if you are the son of God, tell the stone to become bread. Excuse me. And Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. I'm just going to finish with this. Have you just come read to Deuteronomy 8? And this is where this passage comes from. Do we realize that, that so often when Jesus is speaking, he's speaking from what we would call the Old Testament scriptures? Like he's not making new scriptures up. Hence the entire gospel is the entire gospel. We need to know the front of the book, the back of the book, the middle of the book, the front of the book, the middle of the book, the back of the book, because from the end to beginning, the whole plan is contained in here. And there is one message that threads itself throughout the entire scriptures. It's called a marriage covenant. So, the entire scriptures, the context, are for a marriage covenant. Remember, what is he perfecting us towards? A marriage covenant between Christ and his church, the greatest mystery that Paul spoke about, wrote about. That's what the enemy's trying to get us from the marriage covenant. Because the bride will judge the enemy. Why do you think it's the best-kept secret to date? All right, Deuteronomy 8, God's gracious dealings, verse 1. All the commandments that I am commanding you today, you shall be careful to do. How many commandments did they get? 613 laws, 10 commandments. That's a lot, isn't it? So what did Jesus say we're going to simplify this down to? Love the Lord your God with all your hearts on my soul. You love your neighbours yourself. I'm going to take the prophets and the law and turn it into two powerful statements. Love me, love people. Let's go back to 1 John 4. As Jesus was, we are to be. Perfect love casts out fear. If I'm abiding in Christ, Christ is abiding in me. There is love being perfected within me. 1 John 2 6 says then, if that's happening, you walk in the manner to which Christ walked. Love. You fulfill the law of Christ, which is the love of Christ. So he's encouraging them like he's encouraging us. It's the same thing. Different time frame, pretty much the same thing. But we've been filled with a power from on high called the Holy Spirit now that most of these guys never had to live out a higher standard. Didn't Jesus make it harder when he came or easier? (coughs) Harder. Really hard. He said, no, murder is no longer physically stabbing someone. It's hating them. Adultery is no longer having physical intercourse with someone. It's just looking at another woman or a man with lust. Oh, my goodness. I thought I was trying to get all these 613 laws down. the ten. Now you're going to turn it up and make it harder. So by two and simplifying, you made it harder. Why? So we can see our absolute need to be full of the Holy Spirit. See, if we're trying to live that out, not full of God, it's called legalism. It's called the law. You're going back under a type of law. You're trying to do it. okay. And you and I will never be able to fulfill the great commandment in ourselves. So we need to be full of the Holy Spirit, partaking of the Word of God, continuously, constantly full, so I'm able to live it out. okay. Then he says this. Careful to do. See, ultimately, this is about doing. The will of God is not being, it's doing. But we need to come into the being posture so we can do. Jesus came to do the will of his Father. Clear with that one? Okay. That you may live and multiply. So keeping the commandment that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give to your forefathers. Now this is all about a physical land, isn't it? Here. But what's the land now? Here. Where's the perfecting work? Here. Not here. Not on someone else. Here. So the land has shifted from physical to spiritual. It's called a heart. I want a landscape. I want to have territory, dominion in your heart and in your mind. My kingdom come, my will be done is coming in you. Not the person beside you. You. Me. So he goes, possess the land which the Lord swore to give his forefathers. You shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these forty years. Here we go. That he might humble you. Tighten up the belt. You ready? Testing you. Who liked tests at school? (laughs) Any good sitting tests? Oh, a bit of sweat, a bit of panic, you know, put your stuff out. So God's going to test us, test yourself to see whether you're in the faith. Isn't that what it says? To know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So I'm taking you into the wilderness 40 years to humble you, to test you, to know what is in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. He humbled you, he humbled you, and let you be hungry. Why? Because he wanted to feed you with manna, which you did not know. Nor did your fathers know, listen to this, that he, God, might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of Of the mouth of the Lord. How on earth are we going to live this life like Christ if we're not partaking of the eternal word of God? So God has been doing this work here, starving us of manna that was right in the season for it, no longer right for the new season associated with the people that you are becoming is brand new food that you to be eating to become those people. So the food that the Rock People family were chewing on in 19-whatever was old mana. And God led us on a journey out of that into a new place to fill us with new food. There was nothing wrong with the food. Nothing. It's like milk and meat. It's good in season, is it? You try and feed a baby steak, the baby will die of salvation. But an adult shouldn't be sucking on milk. An adult has teeth to chew meat. Why? Because there's a perfecting work that the father's doing because at the end of this work, there's a prize. It's called a marriage covenant. So like any male and female that decide to get married, there's a preparation time, isn't there, ladies and men? You go and get your suit, you go get your dress, you go book your hair, you book your hens night, you book your stag night, you buy your shoes. You prepare and priority and focus for one day. And then you live out a marriage which is a lifetime until two die. Sometimes we spend more time on the day than we do on the marriage. Sometimes we spend more time with Christ on the day we get saved not preparing for the marriage. What's well, that? And I remember the day. The day was amazing, man. Yeah, it had a bit of rain. It was a bit of fun. It was all that. But all I can remember is the day. Okay, that was cool. And that was a stepping stone to a life of marriage now. Talk to me about your marriage. Talk to me about your intimacy with your wife. Talk to me about your intimacy with Christ. Man, you guys have been married now for 17 years. How well do you know your wife better than when you married her 17 years ago, Greg? Do you not know her any differently? Do you not know more about her than what you did? Can you only tell me what she was like when at, at 17 years ago? What sort of a relationship is that? And what if then she starts to tell me about me and how I've changed? What if my wife actually says, This is who you are, Greg. This is why I always see you to be. This is how I'm believing you to be. Can you hear that voice? Who's that voice? His voice. So I've got to take you out of a reality and starve you because you're going to rely on that stuff. It's going to be horrible because it's going to feel like your whole world might start falling apart and some of the things you've put your foundations in may or may not be me. So I've got to unhook those things because unless you get revelation, that's not a true foundation. So I've got to unhook that stuff, but it's okay because I've got you in my hands because I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, and I've put people around you to walk this out together so you come into this full land where the milk and the honey and the resource is massive. But I'm not talking about physical anymore. I'm talking about spiritual inner life, mind of Christ, the heart of Christ. So what's in you is greater than the world now. And you journey that together through faith, belief, not trying to understand it. And guess what? Your fathers and their forefathers have no concept of what this is either. So you can't even trust in them. This is a brand new work with a brand new day because I'm moving to you towards the goal that's always been in place from the beginning to the end. For Isaiah says God is the God who declares the end from the beginning. So do you know who I'm perfecting you to be at the end? And it started at the beginning and in the middle is where I'm going to perfect it. You might need to go and listen to that again on the recording to get it all. Can I say one more thing? Encourage you in that we all started as a fallen Greg, didn't we? Do you know? I didn't. I didn't. I started as a son, that was my starting point as a son, not a sinner. Before he even saw me, he chose me. Here's my problem at the end, I'm a son. What would it be like when I actually turned up in the middle, if I could actually see myself at the end or the beginning rather than in the middle? What would it be like to actually know who you were called to be at the start so you started the way you finish or you finish the way you started? See, God is trying to get us to go back, to go forward, because we've all started in a false start. We all think we started as sinners, but that's not what his word says. His word says you started as sons. Because before the beginning of earth, I created you to be spotless and blameless at the end. But that's what you were at the start when you were in me. So yes, hear what I'm saying. Yes, I come and I'm born fallen. But actually in the spirit, what's already finished I'm a son. What would happen? No wonder he says hearing causes faith and faith is sight. If I could actually see who I am through hearing the gospel, then maybe I wouldn't spend my whole life trying to get over myself. i just live as a son. Wouldn't that be way easier, just to live as a son and not to grapple with a nature that's already supposed to be dead? Yes, I am. No, I'm not. Yes, I am. No, I'm not. Yes, I am. No, i not. That's just bondage. You are. You and I are the righteousness of God. Do you believe? The gospel, Paul said, I'm ashamed of. I'm so right in God. So Paul started his life as Saul, but he was Paul. It just took him a while to figure that out. Through the power of the Holy Spirit that came and filled him fullness to who he actually already was. He said, before I was in my mother's womb, Christ called me and he revealed the Son in me. So I'm living out who I was in the eternal in the temporal. What a plan. And it was already written and forethought. If you could let that grab you, if you understand what I'm trying to say to you, and let it permeate you, there is no lack in that. That is a position of confidence. You knew me before I knew me. You knew me before I did what I did. You knew me before I got married that first time. You knew me, and you loved me as I was and called me as how you saw me, not what I thought about me and my mess. So open my mind to see it, God, so I can actually just live out who you say I am, not who I say I am, for it's written, you say I'm this. But when the world comes and your flesh comes and the adversary comes and everyone around you, all the do-good Job mates, and they give you their opinion of truth, can you determine the truth between all the rubbish that gets spoken? Because if you believe it, you're going downhill. Hence, the ability to walk in the manner he walked is determined by our partaking of the one who died and rose again. The eternal word of God through the power of the Holy Spirit and that's how he builds the church not through persuasive language not through man's strategies not through leadership gifts on men and women primarily, hear what I'm saying he uses people but God causes the growth does he not? so Father I thank you God I love you Lord I thank you for the life that I'm in. And I say that with humility, God, because it's a true testimony of you. And I thank you that I have not found that in myself, but through surrender and the letting go of my life, trusting you when all else looked dark, trusting you when I was at the end of myself, trusting you to jump off the cliff and know you caught me. And you not only caught me, you spun me around and are building me. And so, Father, this is for us as the body of Christ. You want to do such a powerful, perfecting work through your word, your son in us. So, God, let us surrender today. Let us not try to understand first. And let us just come with a humble spirit and a humble heart and go, you know what? I really don't know that much. So, teach me. For I know you love me, I know you've made me right. I'm not ashamed to come to you. And if I am, God, I pray you would destroy the things that bind and hold us through your power right now. But Lord, open our ears and our eyes to see and hear you. pray this in Jesus' name.